Alright, welcome wrestling fans. This is the Mount Rushmore Wrestling Podcast. My name is Jeremy. I go by JPAT sometimes. We're here to talk wrestling. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, wherever you're listening or watching, potentially on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, um, all the above. Uh, I'll let my co-hosts introduce themselves. My name's Chris. I'm one of the co-hosts here on the Mount Rushmore Wrestling Podcast. Been a fan since 2000, going on 23 years now. Um, first ever pay-per-view I watched was King of the Ring 2000. Favorite wrestler all time is Undertaker. Favorite right now is Roman Reigns. My name is Sean, uh, co-host of the Mount Rushmore podcast. Been a fan since 2001, 2002. Favorite wrestler all time is The Rock. And my favorite one currently is also Roman Reigns. So I will add my favorite wrestler of all time is really between Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles currently. It's probably uh, Johnny Gargano or AJ Styles. So we're here today. Honestly, this podcast has kind of been a long time coming for us. We've been talking about this for uh, quite a long time, honestly, probably like six, seven months now. We're just kind of putting the pen to paper and now we're kind of just recording. So we're kind of going to go off that. We're really excited to do this. So we're going to be doing a lot of different things um, throughout this. And really, that's like who we are and why we want to do this. We've been pro wrestling fans, as you've as you kind of heard my co-host say, we've been pro wrestling fans for quite a long time, so over 20 years. You know, we've been watching Chris and I since 2000, Sean since 2001, 2002, so around the same time. Um, we've gone through the ups and downs of the re- wrestling kind of world, so it's really been kind of hit or miss. I think myself and I think others can agree, um, there have been years where I've been not so attentive to the product, but it definitely has its ends and flows. And hopefully now that, uh, you know, a new someone is in charge, a.k.a. Triple H, hopefully no Vince McMahon, um, we can kind of keep that train rolling, and this is a perfect time for us. Also, a little backstory for us, we've done a lot of events together, so usually we're in Massachusetts, so usually when events come to us, we try and get there as as much as possible. We've also went to our first WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania 35 in New York, um, and I'll let them kind of talk about their experience But from my end, we've done a lot together, and, um, you know, we've just kind of really taken all this in. And we really vary from WWE and AEW to NXT now. Some of us watch a little bit more NXT than others, but we'll try and cover as much as we can. You know, we also have some fun things that we'll talk about a little bit later, but I'll let my co-hosts kind of talk about their experience as well. Yeah, I mean, my experience with these two guys going to events dates back. A while starting with me and Jeremy honestly we were going to house shows every year in Cohasset Massachusetts at the Music Center and the first ever show we witnessed the main event was Edge versus John Cena for the WWE Championship Edge retained his championship but yeah even back to WrestleMania 35 one of the best weekends I ever had in my entire life with these two guys WrestleMania 35 was the last WrestleMania that was just one night so I think it's pretty cool that we got to witness the the last one that was one night before COVID. But even this year in 2000, well, last year, 2022, we went to War Games. We went to WrestleMania Backlash. We went to an AEW event. That was me and Jeremy's first. I think Sean's second or possibly third. But yeah, I mean, we're going to continue this year. We're headed to WrestleMania 39 this year. We're excited about that. Yeah, can't wait. And going back to Jeremy's point with uh, going to WrestleMania 35 in 2019, uh, the year right before the pandemic, um, all-time experience. So we've gone to many shows, so starting from around 2018. It's a different 
audience when you're actually out there live in front of 70,000 people and just the energy around, like the passion from the fans, the people you meet there, it's amazing. And we're going to continue to be doing that, going to house shows, SmackDown, Raws, and uh, WrestleMania 39 coming this year in April in L.A. is going to be the time of our lives, so we're definitely looking forward to that. So I think moving forward, too, if you see us at events and you kind of notice us, come say hello. We're big wrestling fans and love to talk to new folks about it. Honestly, when we went to WrestleMania 35, we met a lot of like-minded people. I think that's what's great about the WrestleMania experience itself is it really takes over the city. So when you are, when we're going to be in L.A., that's all that's going to be around is wrestling fans. So it's going to be a really exciting thing. Um, we'll be doing some other events, too, kind of throughout the weekend. We may go to WrestleCon, um, some other things. So we're very excited for that opportunity um, and to discuss that more. To kind of go into that, WrestleMania and, and pay-per-views and things like that, We've been doing pay-per-view predictions amongst our friend group uh, for a long time, so we watch every pay-per-view together. We've been doing this, honestly, for the past, I don't know, four or five years now. And uh, so how we do it, and it's similar to how other folks have done it in the past, but we do it based, we you have our many matches there are, we put in the number, so for Royal Rumble, there's five matches. One through five on each, uh, how confident we are of our winners. And we'll kind of base it off that. And we've had a pay-per-view ranking system. So whoever wins the pay-per-view gets the pot for that one. And then, so we're going to be continuing doing that, but we're going to do our predictions on this show. Um, and then we will kind of go through it and then we'll do kind of a review show as well. And the following week we'll review the pay-per-view and, and what happened. Hopefully there's going to be a lot of exciting things. This is also a, a reason why uh, we're starting now. It's a great time. So Rumble is one of the most, one of my most favorite uh, events of the year. So... Um, we'll have a lot of things to talk, kind of talk about and kind of go through as Chris's cat makes an appearance. Special guest. Welcome. Go. Can you get down? <laughs> um, so, and what we kind of want to get out of this too is there's going to be a lot of different fun segments that we will do. We'll, we'll be doing some things like called Top of the Top. So for our, you know, top 10 wrestlers on the mic or top 10 um, you know, move sets. We could do top 10 finishing moves. We could do top 10 heels. We could do top 10 wrestlers of all time. Um, there's going to be a lot of different things in that segment itself, but there's also going to be different things. Um, and I'll let Chris talk about this, but we're going to do on this day for each podcast. So um, I'll let Chris take it away. Yeah. So basically, I mean, I've seen it online a lot and I think it's pretty cool. And we're going to do on this day for the show and what that means is one of us weekly we're going to switch off who who does it we're going to just google what happened on this day in wrestling history for a previous year so i actually came up with one today i'd like to say it now all right so on this day january 25th 2001 there was a smackdown at the civic center in alabama uh just to go through some matches on that smackdown the Undertaker defeated Rikishi by disqualification in a no-holds-barred match. That was the first match of the night. The main event of that night, Kurt Angle defeated Kane to retain the WWF Championship. That's a good SmackDown. <laughs> yep. Good. In the middle, in the middle, there was an Intercontinental Championship match between Chris Jericho and Big Show. There was a European title match. Back back then, they had a lot of championship matches on Raw's and SmackDowns. They sure yeah, did. They, they don't do it like that anymore, but it seems like every week there was a championship match back then. And they eliminate yeah. half the belts now, unfortunately, so we're pretty <clears throat> limited. Absolutely. I think that's also, you know, for the times, it seemed like everyone was also wrestling every week. I don't think that actually happens now, so 
but I do think that that is a great point in terms of uh, SmackDown. I also think over the past year or so, SmackDown has really come a long way in terms of its booking. So that's something that, you know, moving forward, especially with Triple H in charge, that's only getting better. And we'll we'll kind of talk about this now. I think this is kind of an ad lib for me, but uh, let's do a quick uh, Raw 30. Since, since it happened this week, we should just yeah. talk about it a little bit. Absolutely. I think... That was one of the best shows, and it's been talked about a lot on social media recently, but one of the best first hours of Monday Night Raw, um, it could be within the last five or ten years, uh, you know, not many come to mind, but it's very much uh, just edge of your seat, like the whole trial of Sami Zayn, the whole segment, the tag team match. Let me get your guys' thoughts about that, because that was, uh, for me, like, I, I didn't know what was going to happen the entire time, so. So, for the trial of Sammy, that one was interesting, because I was flip-flopping to see what route they were going to go. Part of me was like, all right, he's going to be guilty, they're going to turn on him. And then a part of me was like, all right, they're going to drag this on for a little bit. But as soon as it started, like, just the, the emotion and, like, the acting is just phenomenal. Roman Reigns basically makes you believe that, like, he hates Sammy's guts. And, like, he's ready to go. Solo Sokoa, basically that blank expression just lets you know you never know what route he's going to go. And Jay and Jimmy, especially Jay, has been absolutely – I think him and Sammy have been the best as far as this whole storyline because Jay basically – they work well together. They feed off each other. The chemistry between, like, flip-flopping between being buddy-buddy with them and then basically not having um, that friendship and one Roman to basically throw him out of the bloodline. But that segment is very emotional, and it just made you fully invested. Like, if you were to walk in, and even if you were a wrestling fan or not, and you basically had your eyes glued to that screen, like, you were fully invested with that segment, and it was just overall incredible. It was a, probably, like, 25 minutes or so, and I just thought overall that it played out perfectly, and the, the storyline is continuing. Yeah, I mean, I really only had one disappointment with Raw 30, and it was the Steel Cage match. I mean, I think we were all kind of disappointed by that. We wanted to see more between those two. But, yeah, that first hour of Raw, I mean, like Jeremy said, edge of the seat, like Sean said, the emotion that you felt that entire segment. You didn't know what was going to happen. And maybe it could come full circle at Royal Rumble. Maybe they're going to drag it out even more, but... The booking for the bloodline this past year has been perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I think the biggest thing, too, like Sean, uh, Sean mentioned, uh, Jey Uso being the one to stop Solo, in my opinion, that was like the ultimate like rags to riches slash hating someone and loving someone. Like that storyline just in itself, not just the bloodline, but Jay and Sammy together. You know, when we went to War Games, it was giving Owens the low blow and then giving them a kick um, and letting Jey Uso pin him. I think they've come a long way in terms of that progression. You saw that embrace after. But this was like on another level. He was defending him. He had all the examples of how he helped the bloodline. That to me is like a bigger story even in itself. And I think that just the way they've incorporated Sami Zayn into this, because I think for a time, you know, before Sami joined, they were already hot. So it, to bring Sami Zayn into this and somehow make this an even more extraordinary story, I think is incredible. And I do think we will eventually get that payoff. Whether it's at Royal Rumble with the turn, I'm not sure. I, I personally think it, something is going to happen with Sami and Roman at the Rumble. And then I think we do get that payoff with Owens and Zayn and the Usos. And then we'll talk about someone else later. But it's very much something that I think 
is just so thought out. And if we could get more stories like this in the future, I think that's what, you know, it, it really shows you what WWE can do with storytelling. Yeah, I mean, for for a while, Raw was a tough watch. To, to tune into a three-hour show under Vince McMahon was nearly impossible. <laughs> People drop an hour and a half to two hours in, honestly. And I was up that entire show, no problem. Something that I did want to mention during that segment, the trial of Sami Zayn, when Roman called Solo to go give the spike yeah. to Sammy, I did not think Solo was going to go for it. Sammy and Solo have this weird friendship. They always have since they, they were in the bloodline together. And I really thought Solo was just going to tap him on the shoulder and not do anything. So as far as that aspect, I actually thought, I remember minutes before I was texting you guys, I'm like, you know what, I have a funny feeling it's going to be two-thirds guilty. It's because Jimmy, because we can all agree that Jimmy's been, like, the most, like, friendliest one. He's been, like, his best friend with Sammy this yeah. whole entire, like, handshake. year, year and a half. I thought Jimmy, <laughs> I thought Jimmy was going to jump in. And be like, and basically mm. try and side with uh, Paul Heyman. Be like, no, what? Get him out of there. And then Rome was gonna give him the boot. But the fact that Jay stepped in and stopped Solo just made that moment ten times better. The crowd basically yeah. loved it. It's just gonna make more anticipation. And the best part about this whole thing was, I feel like the crowd didn't expect that Sammy was gonna go over so quickly, and even the company. So they're like, no, what? Let's extend this storyline for another six months or so and like i just love how it's continuing because normally storylines get, get kind of dry out for maybe like a year or so but the fact that it's still continuing we're about two years strong right now and since the pandemic and then adding sammy to the mix just made it 10 times better yeah and i and the pandemic's a good point because i think you know the the original story of you know jay uso and roman reigns their feud we didn't get that in front of fans but the story building just in that feud alone and to bring Jimmy back at that point, uh, that really like catapulted them into this. And it's amazing the layers, it's just layered on layered on layered. And the, the thing I think about is I watched a Roman Reigns evil on, on Peacock and it was about being a heel and, and what he said at the end of that show, um, you know, there's so much more to come. You know, I, 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 people say that all the time, but really the layers of the character, not just Roman, but the entire bloodline has really thrown, um, I think, everything in backstage, like, for a loop. Like, they, you know, they're going to ride it as long as they can. That's why the turn is just going to be absolutely devastating when it does happen. You're going to see some tears. Yeah, I just... Some people gonna are going to be upset. You're going to see the tears. It's going to be I'm second coming ready. of evolution. The second just of think evolution about... Before your just eyes. think... Just think about, like, back to how this all started, though. It was 2019 or 20, right? And Roman leaves, comes back, brand new teeth. He's got Paul Heyman by his side. First, first they get Paul Heyman. Then Jay gets involved. Then Jimmy. It's just like you said, layers on top of layers of how they did this. And it's been perfect. Yeah. And I love when Roman ended up fighting Jey Uso and then uh, basically attacking Jimmy when, like, the emotion when they had they were shedding tears in that match. And, like, that was basically, like, the layers that kind of just incorporated that whole storyline. And then ever since then, it's just entertainment week after week. SmackDown has definitely been doing their thing. All they had to do was acknowledge their tribal chief and they wouldn't have to go through those matches. That's very true. <laughs> very true. We'll Got acknowledge the tribal chief. We'll hit to like obviously there were rumors about why the original plan of um, the acknowledgement ceremony was canceled. 
I, I think it's been pretty solidified that it was not necessarily any reason uh, other than, you know, people, folks couldn't make it. Because I saw Rikishi was dealing with some stuff. Um, I saw there was, like, illnesses. Off you know, and Sika. Couldn't make it out. So, yep. you know, I it's tough to also, like, when you're looking at all these rumors, to really dissect on which ones are actually true. Because we don't actually know. But we like to go with certain ones or the other. But it, that's pretty much been confirmed from some reliable sources. So we'll Which see makes the trial happens. of Sammy even more impressive because if that was actually on the spot and they tr- basically planned that trial of Sammy with like less than a week advance to that fruition, that's just more like impressive on WWE creative end right there. So Triple H um, and his creative team pulling that like a rabbit out the hat for that one was just more impressive when you find out last minute notice when the family couldn't make it due to like personal like illness issues and then you basically do a 180 and you have a whole new backup plan and i think the bigger point to that is was this better than what they originally had planned it may have been because if that was planned and we didn't get it and we didn't get the trial of Sami Zayn. It's a it's right. a useful trade off in my opinion. I think that was just as good as probably what they were gonna do, and then maybe that. And they questions. still, at some point, could have that. Exactly. If those guys are available, they could still do that acknowledgement ceremony. Exactly. Now, Jeremy, know? to answer your question, would it would be more entertaining? Now, was the Rock gonna be there? Exactly. If the Rock was there, oh, one thousand percent. So I think that, and that plays into what Chris just said. If they do do this down the line, that is something that, as part of the storyline, you know, the Rock can be involved in. We're all hoping the Rock is at Royal Rumble this weekend. Will we? Will we see? Stay tuned to our Royal Rumble predictions if we uh, actually go through with it or not. Raw thirty. What other things should we say? Do we have any other comments? I thought LA Knight was in a great spot with, uh, you know. For us, it was definitely a homage to Deadman, Badass Undertaker. Very much, like, very surprising. I did not expect him to come out as Badass Undertaker. And it was very cool. I also loved about this segment with Bray Wyatt is that Undertaker actually did not perform the move. He fed him to Bray Wyatt. I thought that was very important and very um, telling because I know Taker has always had um, like a good relationship with Bray Wyatt and he thought a lot about him so it says a lot if Taker is like letting Bray Wyatt shine in the segment it was basically felt like a pass of the torch moment very especially because they have yeah. a lot of similarities I even read something I'm not sure if you guys saw it earlier today that uh, apparently um, when Undertaker went up to Vince and told him take care of Bray Wyatt yeah so basically, yep. he had him in his good graces. He basically got his sign-off approval from there. So that's just it's very telling. You can just see throughout that whole entire segment that, because I think we all thought we're going to see another choke him. Can the 60-year-old <laughs> man fucking get him up there? I think the other big thing is this. So my question is, what did he say to him at the end? Are they going to have a match? What is going on with the Undertaker? <laughs> God, I hope not, but uh, <laughs> we'll go from there. Yeah, I mean, also to go away from the Undertaker stuff, uh, I think when we all knew that the Bobby Lashley match was announced, Brock was going to come back. Yes. (laughs) And like we talked about before, they did rush that match. But yeah, I mean, I'm hoping it's going to be Brock and Bobby at Mania. That's what it seems like this is going to be leading to because Bobby's confirmed for the Rumble already, so Brock's going to also probably be in the Rumble. Yeah, I, I saw that they want to do like a last man standing match for um, their final the rubber match, so that'll be interesting to make a stipulation out of that one. Yeah. Stipulations with Brock Lesnar always work, to be honest. That's that's his bread and butter of a match. Um, yeah. Not to hone in on the past, but boy, that WrestleMania match last year disappointed. 
<laughs> yeah. So Raw 30, I think we all thought was a great show. And I think that moving forward, this is something to kind of build on. What I'll say is the DX stuff was hilarious. I do think, mm-hmm. and I said this to uh, in our group chat, that hopefully they don't bring DX back again for a while. Because I think they, you know, the crowd was like, okay, we just saw you a few months ago. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. The Kurt Angle angle, no pun intended, was actually hilarious. And I do thought he brought, brought a good wrinkle. I think everyone was really wanting Billy Gunn there, even though he's... Yep. You, so. um, no, I'm sitting there and I'm seeing Kurt Angle follow them, and I'm like, "What the heck is this? <laughs> what what is happening?" But it was fu- it was funny. It was funny when they had Imperium out there, and basically they were all just cracking jokes of how old they are, how they couldn't take out Walter. I thought that was really great. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I'm I'm retired. I'm uh, retired. I'm too old. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what the heck? I, oh, what the heck? I'm not gonna fight him. In terms of long-term booking, that has been the weakest Triple H has ever looked in a story, is what I'll say. Because yeah. I've never seen Triple H again. He's retired. He also like has medical things, so you know you don't expect him to to take a bump from Walter or anything or uh, Gunther. Sorry. It's very much. It's it's very surprising to have Triple H back down from someone, even in a verbal, you know, a verbal war like they did. So I was right. surprised by that. But I also think, future wise, it's gonna keep to the prog- progression of Gunther, and uh, you know, really get his character as moreover as he is. As we've talked about before, most of our opinion here is uh, he's probably the second biggest thing on SmackDown, and probably is is close to Roman in terms of like importance for that show so i think moving forward he's a big key in a lot of things and you could see him you know my my prediction is end of 23 potentially he could be a champion uh whether that comes true i'm not sure but we'll take a look at that too any last thoughts for raw 30 only thing we didn't bring up was sammy inserting himself in the tag match i mean that was great yeah, as soon as that X went up, was. I was a little bit nervous, to be honest, and I was like, oh, no, there's no way. J- Jimmy was like kind of like smiling at that point. I was like, no, 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 no. there's no way this is yeah. an angle. And I think the more that we have um, basically Sammy doing the bloodline favors, the more just going to anticipate Roman. And as soon as like Usos and bloodline are at the peak of the peak with all their titles, all their wins, that's when I feel like um, the downturn is going to happen and they're going to finally clean out Sammy and, and the storyline. There was a few times in that match, though, that I thought Judgment Day was about to win and Sammy was about to lose them the titles because there was a few close two and a half, two and three quarters. And I think almost three. I thought that was going to be it. Yeah. I think also can can be said what what made me so nervous about the match was it's only for one of the titles. So were they going to split up the titles? You know, that's always something that you can think about. Yeah. I do think the payoff comes with Owens and Zayn at Mania, but we'll see. Yep. So what we're going to do, so, you know, the premise behind this podcast and the name is the Mount Rushmore Wrestling Podcast. So what we did for our first episode, our inaugural episode, we really want to talk about our specific Mount Rushmores. This episode, we're going to do the men. We will do the women um, either next week or the next couple weeks um, for that Mount Rushmore as well. But we really want to talk about our Mount Rushmore Wrestling again we are fans starting in 2000 and 2001 that era we are not huge on you know we respect the legends of wrestling we don't typically like i don't typically have hulk hogan or rick flair on my mount rushmore 
Do I think, if I'm overlooking in wrestling terms and the importance, do I think they should be on there? Yes, absolutely. For me, this is my time of watching and what I know best and what is on my Mount Rushmore. Feel free, absolutely, to interact with us and let us know like who's on your Mount Rushmore. We'll be posting a lot of different things, different places. So we definitely want to hear from you because there's definitely an argument. You know, We have honorable mentions as well. There's arguments, I would probably say, for a good 10 people to be on this list. I think it's tough to really get down to four. And we'll kind of talk about that as we kind of go in. And I, I think it's very interesting to talk about what takes precedence over other things. You know, does is it wrestling? Is it mic skills? Is it overall impact? The Mount Rushmore wrestling for us is, you know, the four best guys that, you know, the wrestling overtakes like it is all included in that so it's an all-inclusive environment for those four people what that means and maybe each of us have some differences as well which we do and that'll look a little bit different so i'm going to kick it off um with my first on the mount rushmore uh my first is stone cold steve austin so stone cold in my opinion i think people who do not watch wrestling know who stone cold steve austin is Granted, there's probably a few other people that they know, uh, but Stone Cold to me, like when he came back last year, you just knew it was going to be a big money match. Whether he is the best wrestler or not, in hindsight, he is not the best wrestler. We can be honest with that. But the absolute control this man has over an audience, I think is second to none. There's one other guy that I think is very close, but the pop that that man gets in any situation <laughs> I think is what puts him, you know, far and above anyone. And some of the best moments in terms of segments come from this man. The CEO, when he was CEO for the day, all the incidents he had, you know, the beer truck, all of these things, the moments, the feuds with The Rock, with Triple H, with Vince McMahon, this man, like, is why I, like, fell in love with professional wrestling originally because, you know, I would watch him when I was seven, eight years old, and I would be so fascinated that this guy was just loud-mouthing on TV. Um, and he just encapsulated the audience. And I think it's really hard to do that at the level that he does it because he can still do it to this day just by walking out and hearing that glass shatter. Um, it, it, it just says everything about him. The other thing is, like, I don't think people understand, like, how accomplished he was, too, because, you know, when we're talking about accomplishments and titles and championships, and I'll kind of go over for each guy what they have... It's pretty incredible. So six-time WWE champion, two-time Intercontinental champion, three Royal Rumble victories. <laughs> that is, you know, above in itself. And he's a Hall of Famer. You know, he's a, he was a Triple Crown champion. This man, honestly, could do no wrong in the ring. He started off, obviously, as a different character, too, studying Steve Austin. He went through the trenches. That man tells you exactly what wrestling is. And he could have an argument, I'm pretty sure, with this wall that I'm looking at. It, so it's just incredible. So Stone Cold is my first. So for my first, I'm going to go with The Undertaker. And there's a lot of reasons specifically. So for number one, I feel like anyone that's been around and is aware of Undertaker is a 30-year career, the longevity factor. And it's in terms of accomplishments, like he's got plenty himself, uh, seven-time world champion, world tag team champion seven times, uh, 2007 Royal Rumble winner. He's had many different variations of himself. So he had the Phenom character, American Badass, Big Evil. Like he basically, every 
character that he displayed in every rivalry he had, whether it's with Orton, with Triple H, Shawn Michaels, The Rock, Vince, like he basically, that storyline with each one was always going to be very telling. And match quality was always great. He was a very good wrestler. He wasn't the best wrestler, but he was top tier, though. And to me, he had some of the best movesets with The Last Ride, uh, Tombstone Pile Driver, Old School, which I think is one of the most like impressive moves for a guy his size, being over 300 pounds, balancing yourself on the turnbuckles, on the ropes. And I think, not to mention, he's got the best WrestleMania streak, which is his iconic. He was 21-0 before he did end up losing to Brock Lesnar. 21-2 uh, overall. And to me, he's got two of the top five matches of all time with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25 and the Hell in a Cell with Triple H at WrestleMania 28. So I think all those factors align why Triple H um, basically was a very important factor for Undertaker rivalry then undertakers basically how he goes back to the business he helped motivate like we just talked about bray wyatt factor the fact that he basically looked up to him so undertaker is definitely someone you look up to and he had the most feared entrance music of all time just to add that in the mix as well so to me those reasons are why undertaker is my number one and the longest <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean my my first is also going to be the undertaker Sean listed his accomplishments, so I don't have to do that, but he's got the most WrestleMania appearances of all time at 27 matches, which is incredible. And that doesn't even, like, compare to just appearances he's made at WrestleMania and not had a match. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He's won the Royal Rumble one time. Something that I thought was very interesting was I was looking at PWI, and he was never ranked the best wrestler of any year that he wrestled the closest he ever was was number two in 2002 but that just goes to show that you don't have to be the re best wrestler to be on mount rushmore and exactly. i think undertaker is probably had one of the greatest impacts in wrestling history and to me he's going to go down as probably the greatest of all time so that's my number one it's got to be undertaker we can do it snake style so chris why don't you give us your second all right, well, my second is uh, Jeremy's first, so Stone Cold Steve Austin, going back to that. He was the greatest superstar of the best era in wrestling history. The Attitude Era is the best era of all time, and he was ranked number one by PWI in 98 and 99, which was kind of the height of the Attitude Era. Like Jeremy said, he's you know a three-time Royal Rumble winner, He's won the championship six times, two-time Intercontinental. So he's got all those accolades. He won the King of the Ring. Um, so that's another one for him. And honestly, it's kind of surprising. Out of everybody that I have on my list, including honorable mentions, he's had the least amount of WrestleMania appearances yes. with seven. He's, he's five and two at WrestleMania. He beat The Rock two times. You know, he beat Scott Hall in a match. He lost to Bret Hart in one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. And then he comes back in 2022 and fights Kevin Owens in the main event of night one. And he took some bumps that I didn't think he was going to take. <laughs> so, you know, if he can come back after 19 years and have the match that, that he put on, you're, you're one of the greatest of all time and you're on the Mount Rushmore. Perfect. So for my number two, I'm going to go with John Cena. And now, when basically going off what Chris said, that ruthless aggression, um, well, basically attitude are being the number one. 
and I do agree with that. So I'm going to basically go to the next era after that, which is most of our childhood. John Cena, to me, was the king of the ruthless aggression era. He started, he came at a time that was like right in between Attitude Era and Ruthless Aggression. It was like around the summertime, I think it was June of 2002. And he started the battle rap culture where basically ended up saving him. Like he came up with the gimmick and he was basically like it was life or death um, as far as his WWE career. And it went over with the audience. And then from 2002 to 2006, primarily, that was like the peak of like um, that character. And he was probably went over with the crowd the most during that time period in 16-time world champion. Um, he was a two-time Royal Rumble champion in 08 in 2013, uh, three-time U.S. champion, and he also innovated the U.S. Um, basically open challenge that he would basically implement a lot, which was very important, which all basically developed the up-and-coming guys. Some of the best um, matches ever on those shows. Absolutely. And um, he was probably the most popular babyface character of all time. And two of the best rivalries during the Ruthless Aggression era, to me, was him versus Edge and Orton. So plenty of feuds and matches um, and storylines that were developed through his tenure down there. For sure. Yeah, those 2009 Orton, what a menace. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you could never get a man uh, my right. next is there first so i will go with the undertaker not much else needs to be said but you know over 30 years in the wrestling business i think to be able to do it for that long you know you see some other people now you know crossing that benchmark and it, it's really incredible um, but not many can say that they've done that i i think the undertaker as a character and gimmick is probably the best gimmick of all time, and I don't know if that'll ever be touched ever again. I think that something that was developed over 30 years, and as Sean said and as Chris said, reinvented multiple times in different ways, The Undertaker understood that he needed to adapt himself with the time, so when they were in the Attitude Era, you know, he went to badass Biker Taker, you know, that is, like, something that you don't really think about from someone that was literally an Undertaker, like, dark, gothic character, literally an Undertaker with Paul Bear, to this guy that rides a Harley down to the ring, and it's it's really something to kind of revel in, and then he switched back, he switched back and forth, I just think the character development for him was incredible, and just the longevity for his career and don't get me wrong, has Undertaker come back a few too many times here or there? Yes, sure. And examples could be like the Goldberg match that we always make fun of in our friend group. But man, <laughs> that wasn't really Crown his jewel. fault. That wasn't really his <laughs> fault, right? So, you know, Goldberg almost killed the um, man. Almost has life taken away that fight. <laughs> uh, Crown Jewel is another yeah. one. It's, it's very much... Yeah, and I know Shawn Michaels wants to take that one back too, but it's... His career is something I can look at and say, you know, by far, it's probably had the most impact on people in terms of a character and storyline. My next, and I'll go right into the one they've already talked about, is John Cena. I think a couple of these people for us were locks. So I think John Cena and Undertaker, if they're not on your Mount Rushmore, not to say that it's incorrect, but I think those are the two probably most impactful folks in wrestling. Um, Undertaker for a story. John Cena is someone that I think can go toe-to-toe with any single person in any era on the mic. And he also is someone that really developed himself into feuds that he became a better wrestler. And that was more towards the back end of his career in terms of being a full-time person. I think about the feuds with AJ Styles. 
those three matches, I think, were some of the best matches I've ever seen Cena in. And I think his feuds, as Sean said, with Edge and with Randy Orton, really also, and with Kurt Angle, defined our childhood and, and definitely defined Cena's career as three of the most impactful people that he's ever faced. And, and I think it's hard to not mention the best people in wrestling without mentioning John Cena. And, yeah, I'll, I'll turn it over to you guys. John Cena's a lock, absolute lock for me. So for my number three, I'm going to go Triple H. And for the longevity factor and is what he does on both in-ring and also on the creative side. So basically in-ring, what he did, 14-time world champion, uh, seven WrestleMania main events, also European champion two times, five-time Intercontinental champion, won the Royal Rumble twice in 2002 in 2016. And to me, he was the master of being the most like hated heel, especially primarily during like the Evolution days, which he was created to me was probably the greatest faction during the Ruthless Aggression era, which consisted of Ric Flair, Randy Orton, Batista. In that time period, like when he was world champion, like when you were a little kid growing up, like all three of us, especially like we hated his guts. Absolutely. Like anytime he won, like it burned a hole in you every single time. Anytime he would retain. And when he was a babyface, he's one of the most hilarious dudes um, possible. Like, it's, it's a natural. Some people, like, I feel like you have to have some acting skills where you have to, like, go to the school of, like, learning with, like, your promos. I mean, the Triple H, to me, was, like, an all-around natural. He could do the babyface gimmick, the heel uh, gimmick. And then also, as far as factions, like, Evolution I was just talking about, he's also part of Corporate Ministry, uh, Leader of the Authority, the McMahon-Helmsley era, which is very iconic. And then as far as the creative side with NXT Developmental, um, started in 2012. And to me, around like 2018, 2019 was probably the hottest thing going for him with like guys like Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, you know, basically the input. And we, we actually, all three of us ended up going to NXT Brooklyn for WrestleMania weekend. To me, it was one of the greatest shows that we attended and arguably one of the top three matches we ever seen with Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano. So what Triple H does um, with his promos, the storylines, the WrestleMania main events, the importance, and then uh, what he did as far as taking over control with the company, like all those things combined is uh, the reason why I have him in my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, uh, my third is going to be John Cena, as the other two have him as well. He's a lock. He went 10-5 and five at WrestleMania. Uh, he's top five in most wins in WrestleMania history at, at 10. He was voted number one by PWI three times. Nobody else has ever done that three times. It was 2006, 2007, and 2013. So that just goes to show that there was a six-year stretch where he wasn't number one, and then he was back on top, and that was kind of towards the end of his full-time career. So yeah, I mean, he started off as Thugonomics. We loved him rapping. He was hilarious. And then I remember being so excited when he won the championship from JBL at WrestleMania 21. And that moment right there just was the rest of his career. Just championships on top of championships. 16 times. I'm surprised he hasn't won the 17th. And I don't know if he ever will. I hope he's at WrestleMania this year. Hoping he faces Theory. That would be great. But, yeah, John Cena, he's got to be a lock on everybody's Mount Rushmore. And then, if we're doing snake style, I got my fourth. This was a tough one for me. I went, I've gone back and forth since we said we were going to start this podcast between two people. And it came down to last night for when I finally made my decision. My fourth, Triple H. 
I picked Triple H to be in my Mount Rushmore. Like Sean said, nine-time WWE champion, five-time world champion. He was PWI twice, which is right behind John Cena for the most. He was PWI in 2000 and 2009, voted number one. Um, he's won the King of the Ring, two Royal Rumbles, like Sean said, seven main events at WrestleMania. And something about Triple H is he actually has the most losses in WrestleMania history at 14. He is 10 and 14 at WrestleMania. He has the second most appearances in WrestleMania history to The Undertaker. And and like Sean said, just he's been a member of so many different factions that are important in wrestling history. He started early in the Attitude Era, built himself up to win his first championship in, I think, 1999. And then... He kind of carried the Attitude Era. He got hurt. He came back, carried the Ruthless Aggression Era. He's just been in every every era, and he's been such an important factor in every era. And it was it was very hard decision for him and somebody else, but I couldn't leave him off. So Triple H is, is on my Mount Rushmore number four. And for my fourth, um, this was also was very tough for me. Um, I was flip-flopping all night uh, with it, and... So it came down to one of two, and to me, the two most important are The Rock and Stone Cold as far as like drawing an audience in a crowd, so I did go with The Rock as my number four. Uh, 10-time world champion, two-time Intercontinental, five-time tag team. Uh, he was a 2000 Royal Rumble winner, triple crown champion as well. And to me, I think he's the greatest talker ever in terms of whether it's his catchphrases, the promos, backstage segments, he was just a natural on the mic, he was entertaining, hilarious as a baby face, and then when he did turn heel, 2003, like it was when he was basically bald, had the tattoos and everything like that, it was one of the greatest times, um, whether it's with the hurricane backstage, like any person he worked with, it was, it was a gold segment. He had two of, probably the best rivalry was with Stone Cold, and two of the best matches are at, coincidentally, our two favorite manias, WrestleMania 17 as well as WrestleMania 19. And what he did, and then when he basically took that long hiatus for Hollywood, he came back like he never left. Most people sometimes, like, you'll come back after a long period, and, like, you won't be as relevant, or the crowd will kind of forget about you. Loudest pop I've ever seen in 2011 when he came back. And feuded with John Cena during that time period, two WrestleMania matches, both great matches. Um, he also feuded with CM Punk, ended up winning the WWE Championship from CM Punk. And he's had many different um, appearances as well. And every single time, I just feel like he's just so over with the crowd. Um, so him and Stone Cold, to me, are this go over with the crowd the most. And I slightly gave the edge to Rock because I think he's a little bit of a better wrestler than Stone Cold. So that was what the deciding factor was with the nod because around the same time period, they wrestled at the same time. Stone Cold did have an unfortunate um, neck and back injuries, which kind of didn't really help his case to, a little bit, but I love them both, but I had to slightly go with The Rock on my fourth one. So for my last one, and as we said, it's very hard to get down to four people. The way I separated my Mount Rushmore was who I thought the best was in specific areas. And for this man, I think he is the best wrestler of all time, and I don't think it's that close. Uh, my last spot is for Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels, to me, in terms of wrestling ability, is the best that I've ever seen. The feuds that that man was in also, you know, a lot of these people are in feuds with each other, so Triple H, Undertaker. The best match at WrestleMania was by Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. I also think that that was one of my worst moments to ever watch when Undertaker went over the top rope 
and I thought he literally <laughs> broke his neck. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, Shawn Michaels was also someone that was very underrated in terms of promo work. I thought he talked fantastic. He was a great solos guy. He was in DX. They don't call him Mr. WrestleMania for nothing. I think his matches were just absolute quality, and he also had, it was in the first ladder match at WrestleMania. He had a lot of moments that were um, also, I think, just underrated, but he also is someone that got hurt and had two separate careers, in my opinion. So he came back in, in 2002 after the injury. And it, for me, that growing up, like I never really got Shawn Michaels until 2002, and then I had to go back and watch all of his stuff. So for me, Shawn Michaels, in terms of wrestling, like if we're talking about a Mount Rushmore of just wrestlers, he's by far and away the best. He just brought so much of that. For me, I have to put him on. I think the biggest struggle for me was putting him over a guy like Triple H. Um, and I'll hop into my honorable mentions now. So Triple H for me, let me go over Shawn Michaels' uh, accomplishments as well because I didn't do that. So four-time world champion, WWF championship three times, world heavyweight once, two-time Rumble winner, and the first man to win the match at number one, which I think is a huge accomplishment, the first Grand Slam champion, and the fourth Triple Crown champion, Hall of Fame inductee as a singles and um, as part of DX, he won a Pro Wrestling Illustrated Match of the Year record vote 11 times. I did actually not know this wow. before this uh, this section. Um, and his match against John Cena in 2007 was ranked by WWE as the best match ever aired on the company's flagship Raw show. And I think that's really important to know when you're talking about wrestling. Shawn Michaels has those awards because the quality of his matches, even if they weren't booked the best, he always made the best out of it and potentially one of the best finishers of all time. Uh, it's so simple now because everyone does kicks and everyone does super kicks and all that stuff, but that originated also one of the best theme songs of all time. And we have some funny stories <laughs> from that, but um, <laughs> Shawn Michaels to me is on my Mount Rushmore. The biggest honorable mention for me is the guys they've already talked about is Triple H. Triple H and Shawn Michaels were the ones I was deciding between Triple H, I think, can be talked about in-ring as, again, one of the people that I absolutely hated growing up because I was supposed to. When you're younger, I feel like you take wrestling with like exactly how it is, so you're supposed to hate the bad guys. If I was my age back in the day of Triple H, I would be loving Triple H. I'd be <laughs> like, I love the heels. Like, Give me Triple H more. That man won the title, and I was so pissed every single pay-per-view I walked out that that man was champion and specifically there are specific moments i can name you that are specific people i wanted to beat him so bad new year's revolution 2000 2005 when it was the elimination chamber against uh randy orton batista chris jericho chris benoit and i forget the last person batista batista was in it right jericho chris benoit randy orton Am I, who Triple, am I H. Triple H. And who was the last guy? Doesn't matter. Uh, doesn't we'll, matter. We'll come up yeah. with it later. Uh, yeah. But that, I just remember being so anticipatory for Randy Orton to win that match when I was younger. And then I was just absolutely devastated when he lost. And that also plays into when Evolution broke up and, you know, Triple H destroyed Randy Orton. 
Uh, but that's an example of like during that time, I wanted Triple H to lose. I wanted him to lose. <laughs> also, the long-term booking with Batista during that whole feud was one of the things that was like absolutely incredible. And I see them doing more now for more storylines because Triple H is in charge. He understands the efforts of long-term booking, which I think is very important. So that's my first honorable mention. So for my first honorable mention, I'm going to go with Stone Cold. And he basically was basically the guy, him and Rock to me, were the two guys that held down the Attitude Arrow in their match at WrestleMania 17. When, even when Stone Cold turned heel, like he basically drew a reaction. And that's the most important thing when you're in the sports entertainment business, whether you had the wrestling ability of a Shawn Michaels or you could draw an audience. Um, Stone Cold, obviously not the best wrestler, but he was good enough in his prime. He had one of the best matches with Bret Hart, which is based, most people rank it as the greatest match ever. So to me, what he did on both like the promo side as well as the importance that he drew during that Attitude Era, um, to me basically had me in to put him up there as far as an honorable mention. Yeah, my first honorable mention, which is the tough time that I had picking the fourth spot, is Shawn Michaels. It is so hard for me to leave him off of the list because of exactly everything Jeremy said. Shawn Michaels is by far the greatest wrestler of all time. Something that I thought was surprising was he was only ranked number one by PWI once in 1996, which was actually really shocking. And I know he did have an injury for a period of time, but if you're the greatest wrestler of all time, I really thought he would be ranked more than that, which is interesting. But yeah, I mean, he had big money feuds with so many people that I can't even think of off the top of my head. I mean, I loved his feud with Triple H in 2004. Uh, well, 2003 going into 2004, specifically at Royal Rumble, they had that last man standing match, which led to a great feud heading into WrestleMania 20, which is also one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time. And then the next year he came back and wrestled probably the second greatest WrestleMania match of all time against Kurt Angle. So the man just delivers every time he's in that ring. He never takes a night off. Yeah, Shawn Michaels was a very hard one to keep off my list, but he's an honorable mention for me, which leads into my next one, is somebody who I wish he had a match against but never did, is The Rock. So they never had a singles match against one another. And like Shawn said, The Rock and Stone Cold are very similar in a lot of ways. Um, the Rock is a 10-time champion. He has been actually a part of 11 WrestleManias, which is a lot because there's a lot of breaks and gaps in between his matches. He's beaten three of the greatest of all time at WrestleMania, being Stone Cold, Hulk Hogan, and John Cena. I mean, he's probably the only person that has ever done that that I can think of off the top of my head, which is pretty impressive. But yeah, I mean, one of the greatest mouthpieces of all time. He can talk against anybody. He is another guy who could wrestle in any generation, and we've kind of seen that since the 90s going into now hopefully he's facing you know the tribal chief this year we'll see but yeah the rock is another one who's an honorable mention for me and he was tough to leave off the list as well sean do you have another i do so um i actually have three total but i'll just say my last two here so um hbk for sure Basically, what Chris and Jeremy already reiterated, greatest in-ring wrestler I've ever seen between him and Kurt Angle. Um, guy always delivered every match. Very underrated match to me with uh, WrestleMania was him and John Cena at WrestleMania 23. I thought that one was a really explosive match. 
Every rivalry he was in, uh, my favorite ones in particular, Undertaker. Um, he had some good ones with Bret Hart, Randy Orton. Also, as far as groups, D-Generation X is one of the most iconic groups. So what he did with Triple H, when the, like their tag team, or when they were feuding around the 2002. I remember their street fight in 2002 was one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. So what he did in the ring alone, and like Jeremy also mentioned, very underrated talker. And then basically... Going back to what Chris said, guy always delivered. Every match he was in, he didn't, never took a night off. And then for my final one, might surprise you both with this one, but the longevity factor and the fact that he always redefined himself in every era, like in all the groups he was in, Randy Orton. Oh, that doesn't shock me. <laughs> yeah, okay. he's on mine. Yeah, he's on mine. Yeah, has to but be. I, I, th- I do think yeah. when you're talking to a lot of people when you're talking about this, is Randy Orton probably does not come up on a lot of people's lists for even like an honorable mention. Oh. Um, and then you look, look him up and see what his actual accolades are, and you realize his body of work and also his ability to be on the mic and that man seems to be timeless. Yes, he is injured right now, but he is also someone that works at like a slow, like slithery pace and understands like the really the mental game of wrestling. And I think in everything, it's amazing. Another thing that watching one of his documentaries, the evil documentary on him, he knows how to turn it on and off and what to do. And, you know, it, it's, it's incredible to him, for him to get into this character. And I think that he is someone that is still has a lot left from what, from what as long as this injury like doesn't affect his career like it you know, it could potentially, you know he said he wanted to sign another five year contract and that was like a year or two ago, so that man still has a lot yeah. left I think to deliver, and I think to Chris's yeah. point when he was talking about Cena breaking, you know the the flair the flair record for titles I think Orton could potentially do it if he gets that many opportunities i'm not sure in that amount of time but i do think randy orton is definitely up there in my honorable mentions as well i also had the rock on my honorable mentions again what they said mouthpiece the man's in hollywood for a reason he started that hollywood career as a wrestler he really every time that again another guy that if you don't know wrestling you probably know the rock and you may even know the rock a little bit more than stone cold these days because He's so popular in mainstream media. He is just very iconic in his own way. And, and I think that he has to be on this list. The other one I want to mention, and I think it's it's an interesting one, but he's also not in WWE anymore, is Chris Jericho. Ah, another one I, I had. I think that Chris <laughs> Jericho is another guy that seems to be always reinventing himself in every different way is one of the funniest guys I've ever heard on the mic in terms of talking. He can take a stupid thing like your name is on the list and literally make it one of the most comedic segments I've ever seen. I just can't stop laughing. And I think Chris Jericho, in a sense, helped a whole new wrestling company survive just based on his name. Because at this point, Chris Jericho is not you know, the A wrestler, the, the B plus A, A minus A, A wrestler that he was back in the day. But that man can carry any promo. He also has so much knowledge of the wrestling business that has helped AEW survive in this time and be able to thrive. 
and making him the first champion was the best thing AEW did to really carry that beginning for them because that man, you know, just put him on their back. Also, the most singable entrance song ever. <laughs> I, I think that goes underrated. That man, you can just play his music and everyone in the crowd will sing. I mean, he had a whole entrance with no song and people sang his song. So I think Chris Jarvis... Should, I'll put him, we should have put him as the goal. <laughs> All three we should have put him up there. I think he has and the to fact that he was one of the... In the fact that he was one of like the uh, first ones to develop like the TV show like um, the highlight reel, he was one of the first superstars to incorporate that in the mix, which I think was yeah. very iconic growing up. And some of the most iconic wrestling skills, very underrated. I feel like as great as he is, I feel like he still doesn't get his due by most fans um, for his wrestling ability. Yeah. Um, and he's had many great uh, rivalries with The Rock, Stone Cold. John Cena, like you name it. Then he goes into AEW, first ever AEW champion. How he mentors the younger talent, um, even like the older guys, like um, you know John Moxley. Then like he's got Sammy Guevara. He has his own stable right now. So everything that he participated, everything he touched, he turned to gold. Um, yeah. So I think in both companies, WWE and AEW, the longevity factor. Guy's still going strong at 54 years old. Um, Just lost so like definitely, he's always in that conversation. Like to, to reinvent his body. Crazy. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. My final two guys were ones that were just said: Randy Orton and Jericho. And uh, Randy Orton, I mean, he's had the third most WrestleMania appearances in history, at eighteen. He's eight and ten at WrestleMania, and then like Chris Jericho, he was the first ever undisputed champion in WWE ever. He beat The Rock and Stone Cold in the same night. Like Jeremy said, first ever AEW champion. Youngest um, at the time. He's. <laughs> <laughs> youngest at the time the youngest AEW champion at the time and uh nine-time intercontinental champion he has been in so many different promotions he's been in wcw wwf wwe he went to new japan and fought there now like he has kind of carried a new company like jeremy said just because of his name just because he's chris jericho so I, those two guys you can make an argument for, but like you guys said, they're probably left off a lot of people's lists. Yeah, and I think those accomplishments for Jericho, you know, those are just the ones, you know, an AW champion, but he's been ROH champion. There's so many accolades that he has that if you actually look through yeah. the list, when I did this, I was like so shocked at how many titles he's won and how many different promotions he's been in. It is really astounding, and I do think in order for him to get his due, my hope is at the end of his career, he's able to really like seal it with a bow. I know some people have come out and said, I think it was Kurt Angle, he's one of the goats of wrestling, because it, it's absolutely true, mm -hmm. uh, and that's great. And so that's our Mount Rushmore. So again, in the comments, definitely interact with us and you know let us know what yours is. Again, sorry to Hulk Hogan and the Ric Flair fans and, and the older the older fans. You know, we don't we don't discriminate against the older fans here, but that this is our era of Except when under we, the giant. <laughs> this is this is our <laughs> era of when we watch wrestling and, and what's you know, for us what would be that Mount Rushmore. And I think, you know, in, in terms of how we're looking for in the future, we're gonna do a lot of things like this. Like I said, we're going to go over the women's Mount Rushmore as well, which I think we'll have some interesting takes for, and I think is actually a little bit harder sometimes than the men's. And we're also going to do a lot of the top of the top stuff, so look out for a few different segments from there. Next episode will be our Royal Rumble predictions. So we're going to go over the matches, talk about what we like, what we don't like, who we're going to pick for the matches, some outcomes. 
there is so much speculation going into this Saturday for the Royal Rumble. We are very excited. We hope you are very excited. And we will see you for our predictions episode next. Thank you all. Have a good